Welcome to episode six of the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist in Arkansas who's been in front of a microphone or camera since the mid-1980s. I've interviewed thousands of people, from athletes to zookeepers and everybody in between, but now it's my turn to talk to the people I want to talk to, ask the questions I want to ask. My guest for this episode is K.K. Ray, a marriage and family therapist in the Nashville, Tennessee area. You'll get to meet her right after this. I got to tell you, these are some crazy times, aren't they? Things like elections, social media. These are the things on our minds. But if you're buying or selling a house... I want one name on your mind. It's the name Brandy Harp. She's a real estate agent and broker in central Arkansas. And this is for my central Arkansas friends who are listening. Shout out to Brandy. Brandy's helping some friends of mine right now sell their home. In fact, they sold the home and they had it listed with somebody else. Brandy got it done. Brandy does things that only a boutique real estate agent delivers. That means she might have the floor guy out at your house if you need someone to talk to you about your floors. She might have uh, the moving company truck at your house if you need a moving company truck. It's all the things that a boutique realtor does. Brandy Harp wrote the book, people. Go to my website for more information. If you get a minute, Check her out at John Underhill Real Estate, Brandy Harp. Indulge me just a moment, but if we were voting this political season, this November, for best home builder, remodeler, I got your guy, Richard Harp with Richard Harp Home. See what I did there with the whole segue thing (laughs) this time of year? But it's true. Richard Harp with Richard Harp Homes wins those awards. It's not on the ballot you'll see at the ballot box, but in other ways, people vote, don't they? When you pay for things, when you invest in something, when you refer somebody, you're voting for them. So Richard wins hands down. He does beautiful work in central Arkansas. He is known as the guy when it comes to maybe a kitchen remodel or a new build. You know, even with these historically low rates, we know a lot of people are buying and selling homes, but what they're also doing is then remodeling the home because sometimes the inventory is low, as Brandy Harp has told me. And so sometimes people are getting the house. It's not their perfect house, but Richard Harp can make it your perfect home. Go to lisafishersaid.com. Click on the banner ad for Richard Harp Homes. She won most talkative in high school, and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. We're going to talk COVID-19 for this podcast and also how to deal with people who don't agree with you and how to deal with social media. KK, what do you think is more important right now? What are the things you're seeing as a marriage and family therapist, what you're doing at Tennessee Neurofeedback and people trying to gain control of their relationships? Is it more COVID or more election? You know, I don't even know how to divide those buckets, Lisa. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, I think I think it depends, you know, what the, what the issue of the day is. You know, do you know somebody that has COVID? Is your school infected with COVID? Or, you know, is your neighbor yelling at you because literally you have a, you know, a sign in your yard that differs from them. So who it I think I think the answer to that is that everything is a big deal right now. Um, because we are yeah. so depleted. Mm-hmm. Well, let's start with it. You know, uh, getting orders from your governor, you know, 
the government, that you have to stay inside and you can't conduct your business. That's hard no matter who you are, what you're doing, how you're making a living, how you're taking care of your family. So uh, let's talk about in March, you and I did um, an interview that we aired. I think we did it on for social media. Well, a lot's mm-hmm. happened since then. So mm-hmm. let's take us through maybe <clears throat> the peaks and valleys of COVID and families and relationships since March to now. And this is uh, the end of October. Yeah. And, and you know, what's interesting about that, Lisa, is that when we heard COVID was coming, I thought I was the big genius in the room to say, okay, everybody on staff needs to save two weeks worth of income. Because if if we've got, we we will weather this thing in two weeks. And I honestly thought in my heart that I was, you know, acting, was was maxing it out so that they would take me seriously. And hopefully it would be two days. And now, you know, we're six to seven months into this thing. Right. And, um, and so, yeah, so much has happened. And, and I heard the term recently um, called surge capacity. We know that in the technology world, but we have all hit our surge capacity. So those first few months, first, well, weeks to months, it was almost, you know, devastating to all of us, but it was something novel, something new. Um, it's the novel coronavirus, obviously, but right. we, uh, our brains can handle new. Um, and, and so we're able to, to, to rally for a little while. And then, and then, you know, the, the news comes that it's going to be a lot longer. And at that point, our neurochemically, we're depleted. And so what do we do now? Yeah. What, I mean, <laughs> what do we know? Have you seen an increase then? I mean, I know they say that addiction numbers are up, mental health um, issues are increasing. Gosh, mm-hmm. from your perspective, are you bombarded or you probably can't see people? No, you see them virtually, right? Yeah, I do see virtual uh, people virtually, which has been awesome um, to be able to not have to, you know, wear a mask in the same room with somebody. I think that kind of defeats the purpose of being able to really um, know what somebody's feeling and, and be able to see them. So I love to be able to, to you know, even though it's virtual, to be able to have uh, maskless conversations. Um, but to answer your question, I really do believe we're in, um, I think the biggest mental health crisis of my career for sure. Um, I, I, um, kind of compare it to the 08 financial crisis. And at that point, you know, I adjusted what I thought normal range anxiety was because so many people were so anxious about their, you know, financial well-being. And, and we've surpassed that exponentially now. Um, so the answer is yes, everybody. I mean, if, if you're listening to this and you have not hit the wall yet, um, you know, congratulations for that. There's some resilience there that, that you have. But I would say it's a matter of time because we, we just as humans aren't geared for being, I think Brene Brown calls it, you know, in cleanup mode while the hurricane is still going on. And so yeah, the hurricane is blowing. Yeah. And so there's just there's just so much um, neurochemically that we have in us and, and we all are hitting the wall. I know I have for sure. Well, what Then define the wall. The wall is different for everybody. But define yeah, the wall. It, 
Yeah. And, 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 and what that feels like typically are things that you would in a normal day to day routine be able to handle when there's when there's stressors that come in and and when when you're depleted, those typical the typical ability to cope is really gone. So the way I describe that is when you have something happen and it should be like you stumped your toe, what it feels like is you've shattered your femur. Mm. Um, And that's that depletion where you find yourself at odds with somebody that you typically wouldn't have any kind of conflict with, or you're unable to get to the end of a conflict, or you see yourself, as you mentioned, the addiction um, issues that are, are, you know, absolutely through the roof. You see yourself needing or have to have a vice as a go-to to be able to, to function, you know? And so and it's, we're, yeah, it, it's, I saw someone posted on Facebook the other day that she had a flat tire and it felt like, she had flooded the house. That was it. Exactly. She exactly. hit the wall. There, yes. There's only yes. so much. So the neuro, are they the neurotransmitters? What's the term? Well, I would say neurochemicals that neurochemicals. help the neuro, neurotransmitters. It's, it's just the things that we're able within ourselves to, to draw on to be able to function at a normal level, you know, and, and you can, you can attest to this too a lot of us are depleted because we're not taking care of our guts where all those neurochemicals are made. Preach girl. Preach. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that's, that's one way that we're medicating is eating, eating junk, you know, um, porn, porn usage is through the roof, alcohol usage through the roof, you know, you name it. It's, it's everybody's looking for some way to cope. And then what I'm seeing a lot of is just family conflict, you know, because people are on top of each other all the time. There's no escape. You're working at home. You're trying to parent, you're trying to school. I mean, I, I'm sure you can relate to this, Lisa. I'm just so thankful that our kids aren't school age. Because I say I, it all I, the time. I seriously don't know how these, these parents, I had somebody, you know, just the other day and I was going to say my office, but on Zoom and, you know, they're literally their family is busting up because they just can't take it anymore. Oh, I'm so it's, it's sorry. Just, it's just so sad. But but you you realize they have nothing to draw on. I mean, they got to keep their jobs. They got to keep their kids educated. And, you know, all that comes with that. It's just it's just so so going out and, and buying groceries and putting a meal on the table seems almost insurmountable. Yeah. And I will say that in the 20th century, there are some things, or 21st century now, uh, 2020, there are some conveniences that are helping these people that 10 years ago we really wouldn't have had because now you can pick up your groceries at Walmart. You know, you can have anything delivered to your door. Had we had a pandemic, and hey, we've got Netflix. (laughs) Yeah. 10 years ago, we didn't have some of those things it would have really been darker and a deeper hole. Well, that, and I would say, um, you know, th- that we, we want to always be mindful of, of that as privilege, you know, that we can yeah, drive true. a car and, yeah. and get to, you know, because there are many that, that don't have access to that, which is where we're seeing, you know, the, the mental health crisis at its you know, most intense is when you cannot avail yourself if you don't have that job or have lost your job. I mean, here in Music City, you know, I'm in Nashville and people that have been, 
you know, in, in a great rhythm with being Mm. on the road as musicians and musician support there, there's zero income. So, (coughs) excuse me. Um, that's a whole nother ball of wax that people are, you know, the bottom of the hierarchy of uh, Maslow's hierarchy of need is food, clothing, and shelter. And, and that, that hierarchy of need, if you, if you don't have that base at that base and for all of us, I mean, you know, if you if you haven't wondered about how this affects you economically, you will. I mean, it's just that has that kind of ripple effect that you have to consider it, it even if you know that you're not going to have that happen because you're considering other people. But that base of um, stability is gone for many people. And that's that's when it gets really scary because you don't even have the, the wherewithal to work on relationships or work on connection with other people when you don't have that base need met. Well, you know, you bringing up Nashville, you're right. Um, your economy is based on people shopping and eating and going to the clubs and bars and stuff. In New York City, I, I watched a, um, you know, a live traffic cam of Times Square the other day, and it looked like I was driving through Pine Bluff, Arkansas. There are a few mm-hmm. people to stoplight. And then they were there was oncoming traffic and then the stoplight changed and it, it wasn't what you see. Typically, if you've been to Manhattan, of a thousand yellow taxi cabs and right, people on the streets, right. there was no hustle and bustle, and that's a that's a real lonely place to be. So, people in especially major met- metropolitan areas that derive so much of its livelihood from the city's income and activity, they're really having a hard time. I think maybe parts of the country. I mean, we drive through small towns just to get out. You know, we used, mm-hmm. I told you once we were mm-hmm. fighting over who got the mail just <laughs> exactly. so we could, you know, exactly. go outside. But we'll drive through small little towns and we don't feel like they're they're as affected as much because they're they're farmers and they still have to go plow the fields and harvest the wheat, you know. And right. so I, I do think certain areas are harder hit, but I, I know every family everywhere has been affected somehow because kids in school, you have grandchildren. So how can we, um, so if we've hit the wall, then once you've hit the wall, how long does the, or what can you do for the rebound? Yeah, that's, that's the, that's the interesting thing. And there's, there's different schools of thought out there. Um, but the, the, the simple go-tos are always the best and that's, you know, exercise, sleep, and, and eating healthy. And, you know, if you're hitting the wall right now, you might be doing that eye roll to that, but, but truly, um, you know, if you can add in a really intentional, um, sleep plan and get out, I think the study show, if you can walk 45 minutes a day, that's as good or better than an antidepressant. Um, and Isn't that amazing? It is. And then and then the eating, you know, and, and that's a negative feedback. Like we don't want to eat, you know, we don't feel good. So we want comfort food. And then that makes us feel worse. But but truly, um, if you can think of in this time uh, as of sugar as poison, even though everybody wants, you know, a big bowl of ice cream or whatever to just feel better, it's really it's really what we know. It inflames the brain more than anything we eat. I think gluten's probably right past that. But yeah, I do. But but, um, but 
truly diet and exercise and sleep, you cannot underestimate how powerful those will be. But that, so, so that's one bucket I'd say, Lisa, I'd, I'd also say connection with other people. I mean, you know, you and I got on the phone last night, a FaceTime call, and, and it gets you through the next two hours. It does, yeah. I've gotten to touch base with a, a good friend that knows me and mm-hmm. is for me. And, and you know, you, you hang up the phone, and that feels really, really good. And so connection with other humans. And, and, um, and then really, really make conscious effort to major on the majors and don't major on the minors. And when we're this depleted, many times we have to ask, you know, I might have to ask David, how big a deal is this really? You know, cause something might feel like it's in a mock 10 when it, he's like, mm, not such a big deal. And uh-huh. so you, you really don't want to waste energy on and in all conflict, um, is, is a huge expense of energy. So we want to really, really conserve as much of that as possible. Well, you bring me to, I mean, David, your voice of reason. I have a voice of reason. We call Chris the VOR, the voice of reason. So um, not everyone has one. What do you think about those dial-a-therapist ads and services that are available now? Yeah, I love them. Um, I I was watching an ad that Michael Phelps had out um, the other day, and I highly recommend his... um, documentary if you hadn't seen it but um i I mean i i would say the you know the burden is on the provider to be licensed and to be um to be ethical and you would definitely want to make sure that's what you're dialing into you don't want somebody that's just you know a fraud and untrained and unlicensed but beyond that i'm all for it wherever you can come up with a match of somebody that is empathic and knows their stuff, I I say go for it. Okay. So um, you can easily check for credentials and things like that. Oh, 100%. Their website should, should have it. And and you want somebody that's either licensed or in process of licensure, meaning they would be being supervised by somebody that was. And, and those, those, um, those uh, rules have actually been relaxed. That's one cool thing about um, the pandemic is tele, you know, telemed. Now it's 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 legal um, to be able to talk to a therapist in another part of the country that might not be licensed in regular times in your state. So, KK, have you seen your business pick up then? Your Zoom calling with you know clients and patients. Yeah, that's a great question that I don't I don't really track it well. Um, um, I've been doing it a long time, so I don't I don't really uh, I keep a tight schedule if that makes sense. But I can say that um, colleagues that have not had full full client loads or are new and are building a client load, it's it's ramping up so fast. So the answer is yes. People are really availing themselves to to therapy and other modalities and they should because that that's the a, a whole nother bucket that we didn't mention earlier like what can you do when you hit the wall i mean if you have the ability and the means to 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 get into a therapeutic relationship with someone i i 100 say this is the time even if you're not bleeding out now's the time to have that kind of support and you mentioned something earlier. There's something physicians do when you see them, and probably therapists too. And they 
they measure or look look for your affect. And that's yes. like, do your eyebrows move when you talk? Is your even though you go, I'm fine. But if your face isn't moving, you probably there could be a yeah. chance you're clinically depressed. Yes. But but you're right. Now that we have these masks on and I see someone, a hi, how are you is really just a salutation. It's like saying weather's pretty, huh? Because there is no there's a harder time to connect now, even with the people you see, because we have masks on when we're out. 100%. I've noticed that I really study people's eyes now. That's good. And so, yeah. and so many of us, um, you can see a smile in eyes if you really, but you got to look hard. It's not an easy thing. Well, because Tyra Banks taught us it's a smize. Tyra Banks said that when you smile with your eyes, it's a smize. So I'll never forget that. <laughs> there you go. But it is. And, and, you know, if this Botox works that I got yesterday, it's going to be even, it's going to really be hard right. to see if I'm smiling. But, um, but right. it, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard. And, and that's why I love that we have FaceTime. I don't know what we'd be doing if we didn't yeah. have the capability of seeing people. Um, but, you know, I, I would say, Lisa, that that we really and you've done fabulous work in this of, of, of pushing a, back against the stigma of availing yourself to some type of therapeutic Gosh, support yes, yes. because because it just matters. I mean, you know, I, I haven't met a physician yet that could heal themselves. And, and I would say it kind of falls in that same category. The the, the crisis that we're in as a culture on so many different levels, um, we, we really cannot weather this unsupported with some level of, of connection with other human beings. And you know, who's really suffering are people in nursing homes and assisted living and their grandchildren and children just put a sign up on the window that says, hi, grandma, I'm here. It has just broken my heart because if you've ever been to any type of facility where there are older people who are alone, they will reach out to touch your skin. Oh, yeah. Just to have human touch. Just to have it's, human touch. And that we have removed that from them is. It, it's it, it's almost criminal. I'll say that. Uh, and and what I've what I've seen, um, David's mom is in assisted living. And one thing I've seen and heard with other friends um, that have parents in that situation is the cognitive decline is so uh, rapid because there's just zero stimulation. Um, yeah. You know, and so it's. It's something that, um, and we were able to get her out for the first time last week, and it was just incredible the feeling that we all had to Good. To, fr- to free her, you yeah, know. Free and, her. I, and I would, mm-hmm. and and I would say there, depending on where you are, I don't know what state laws are in different places. I know they've been very tight here, and I think are somewhat more relaxed. But um, if you can, if you you know, get to your people and and any kind of stimulation. That, that they could have cognitively is so important right now. Well, yeah, just the interaction with the human and um, taking them out in the sunlight. I mean, fresh air. They're, they're cooped up in, oh, my goodness. It's just, uh, it's like dog kennels. You know, it, they're it, just yeah. cooped up it, together. In jail. And it's, it feels like yes, they're in jail. jail. It yeah. is. Yeah, and, it's, it's, it's And horrific. I'm not placing blame. This isn't a political discussion at all. It's about humans. <laughs> no, you know, there's and, nothing. No, there's no, And that, that I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up, that that we we have got to stand down on politicizing human beings. Uh, it's just, 
we've got to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't have the answers at all. I do know that um, human connection and loving other humans is, is what's going to get us all through that. And I don't mean that pat. I just mean, let's look for the good in other people and, and come together on some kind of agreeable. And if you can't agree on stuff, just don't talk about that stuff. That's what I say. Yes. So that's a great segue to why on social media, there are days that I'm, I'm dark. I don't, I'm not on because people will start posting things like I went to the Exxon station on Rodney Parham and the man there didn't have a mask on. I'm asking you people never to get gas there again. And I think mm. really, you know, that he, he may have had it off for just a second. And that family's trying to make a living just like your family. And let's, mm-hmm. let's extend some grace. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's mm-hmm. it. Let's just uh, extend some grace. And that's social media. I, I know it was not Mark Zuckerberg's plan in 2004 when he started this. You know, it was to look for hot chicks. And now what we've done is we've looked for the everybody's the enemy if if they don't agree with you a hundred percent and it's yeah. hurtful KK. It's so hurtful. And, and it's the, the, that continuum goes to the other side too, where when you put something out so caustic, your assumption is that everybody thinks just like you. And I'm going to tell you, I'm so thankful people think differently than me. Oh, me you too. Know? And I mean, I, I've been saved by that so many times, but I don't want to go into a group of people and them assume I think like them either, you know? And so, so That's I good. think we, I think we really need to stand down on, um, I, the way I describe that is everybody's got their own yard. Let's only mow our own yard. I don't want anybody mowing my yard that is not in my family. You know, I don't want yeah. my neighbor coming over and mowing my yard. Um, and, and I find the best thing on, on social media, number one, Social media is playing us because they're going to, if you hadn't watched that social project documentary, uh, this, that's one. The social you know, dilemma. Social is, dilemma. Uh, amazing. Yes. You are only seeing the people who think like you. Exactly. Which they is manipulate so, it. It's so freaking scary. So I think, I think the key is, you know, to back off if you can't, I, I just don't even get on anymore. And I, I'm going to refriend people that have been political through this time, because I just don't want to hear your opinion. I, I have no either. Um, and I think it's destructive. And I think that's what, what people aren't considering is when, when you put it out there um, and, and I hear people say you can unfollow me or whatever, but I really think it's, it's mindful and it's kind to not be caustic out there. I think it's just, it's just a kinder way to live. Yeah, things have gotten so political. I remember um, when I was at the radio station here in Little Rock, our little guy went to the finals of American Idol. And um, so the media had a room downstairs. It was kind of like a little dungeon. And like uh, Gene Simmons and all the guys from Kiss were there and Paul Abdul and just a lot of characters. And then I remember Queen Latifah came to the mic and we were so (laughs) excited, so excited to meet Queen Latifah. And she opened the mic and said, we were like, Queen Latifah, the Queen's here. And she said, I want y'all to go home and everybody start recycling. And out loud, you could hear me go, really? I thought we were here to talk about music. And it, and that's, and I know Richard Gere did it in like the Academy Awards and maybe the nineties, early 2000s. So I know that that is the passion maybe of an artist. So they can tell you what you need to be thinking. I was like, 
I want to hear your your latest song. Right. I mean, right. I, I didn't care that she recycled in Jersey. I, I don't care if she does or doesn't. I don't. I don't. Right. KK, I don't care if you I recycle. I, don't I just don't care. care. Yeah. And if and, you have a, a passion about it, be kind about it. Ask. Yeah. You know, I, I teach people in therapy to say, would you be willing? You know, would you be willing Queen Latifah would could say, "Would you, would you guys be willing to consider recycling?" Because oh. I really am, oh. I really am all about this. As opposed to you suck if you don't recycle. See, there's a mm-hmm. whole different place that mm-hmm. that you know that that you suck kind of mentality mm-hmm. flips your lid and puts you into a threat response as you know, your brain goes. And, and so it's not doing you any good. If you're coming out mean towards people, it's just going to make them feel threatened. But this, would you be willing verbiage really does make a difference because then you give somebody a choice. Well, maybe it's because I, I don't have a recycling bend about me. Like I don't wake up every day, (laughs) you know, preaching the gospel of recycling a jug of milk. And maybe if, because I was thinking, what if she said something that spoke to my heart would mm-hmm. I have been so perturbed? I went, wait, what? Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh-huh. and that's just what happens. In fact, I remember when I did that, um, when we were down there in the dungeon, I rolled my eyes at someone else that had a political message. And the guy from Rolling Stone wrote in his blog that day, he goes, sitting by a reporter from another from Arkansas, and she's rolling her eyes. I went, oh, did I do it that loud? But yeah, it, it's yeah. because I, I was like, I, I really was there for the music. And that's the first time that I, I was ever in a situation where I felt like, Something was pushed down my throat, but that's what our social media posts do. If we're not saying, would you be willing? That's my new thing. I'm writing it down. Would you be willing? Yeah. Well, and it especially works well in, um, intimate relationships. So if you're married or, you know, your person or your friend group, um, when you really need something, it's about you, you know, and, and to pitch that need to that other person in a kind way, you know, would you be willing to consider, when you've been coming home, you've been really irritable and it's making me anxious. Would you consider working on that? Mm, you know, that's good. Um, and it, it, it just, if, if you think about it purely from a brain standpoint, getting your needs met is, is, is so, so important. But if you use it in a way that is threatening to that other person, it's going nowhere. Um, yeah, a wall. I mean, you hit the wall or yeah. you build a wall. <laughs> you yeah. build a yeah. wall when someone pushes. Yes. Yeah. And and criticism, you know, criticism, I'm, I'm mulling over this new thought um, that criticism is a way that we control people. Um, and, and, and it just really means we're fear based. So if I'm going to criticize someone else, I'm just trying to control their narrative. And, and I'm scared because I'm scared they might have a different opinion than me. Well, I mean, that's perfect for now because we are a week away from an election. We're a few weeks away from Thanksgiving. Some families will still meet somehow, maybe, maybe not, but I'm saying you still will be thrust with people you're probably not with 24 seven. And that's where the other side of the election you know, will come out of somebody then saying, well, did you see who won? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then you think, Lord, that is a match and that is gasoline and this is going to explode. Yeah. Well, I think I think it's fair to set those boundaries ahead of time. You know, um, 
I think I was thinking about a, a group we get together with and post-election uh we probably will have some differing political views in the room and there will be some assumptions that there aren't differing political views in the room. So I thought it might be nice to just send out a text to this group and go, Hey guys, would y'all be willing to consider that we keep politics out of this party? That's Um, good. Have you done that before? Have you ever approached people with that request? I haven't. I've never had to. Um, Yeah, I've never had to until now. I think it, it's important because I really don't want to talk about politics. Mm-hmm. It will not Same. be fun. It will not mm-hmm. be fun to do that. Um, Lord knows we talk about it enough within our own family. So I, I, I think in a good way, not, but it's, it, you know, it's ad nauseum at this point. Yeah. Because we think we're going to change the outcome by just talking about it amongst ourselves. <laughs> isn't that funny? That, isn't that funny? Yeah. That's a good thought. Do you think if we talk about it enough that somebody <laughs> else might vote a different way? That's how, cra- that's how crazy we become, Lisa. Well, that's why that movie, The Social Dilemma, it is must-see viewing because even the people who are the spinal cord to these social media platforms don't let their kids on. Yeah. You know, and when you hear that, you go, wow, you really are influencing, even though it, again, it's your, it might be your political thought or your, your squad, but you're not seeing that the squads are really multicolored. And I don't mean just by race. I'm saying by every belief system Mm -hmm. that is Mm -hmm. a peacock. You know, are mm-hmm. there are so many things. So it might be recycling is your thing, but someone else might think recycling uh, again milk cartons. Someone else says no. I think milk re- recycling boxes is important. Then somebody else says I think re-, you know everyone has an opinion. You know we're we're unique. God made us so different. So everyone, you, I mean, we know these things. I'm stating the obvious, but my point is your social media platform is showing you just your point of view. And feeding you dopamine hits by that. Yeah. So, now, isn't so it's, that it's interesting, the dopamine hits? So we've got these neurotransmitters. Isn't that what they are? And they're, yes, they're, yes. they're the juice that makes it all work. Right. And dopamine's the good one. That's the one that you get on the roller coaster or, Dopamine you know, is the is the feel-good hit that I, I feel. This makes me feel joy, happy. And, and and it's it's also where things get way out of whack with addiction because what you tend to see is people that have low dopamine, they get a hit from something that's novel, whether it's porn, a roller coaster, or you name it, or and drugs, right? A drugs, mm-hmm. they're off to the races because their brain says at a non conscious level, go get me more of that, more and better, and and so and and that's the danger right now because we're so depleted that anything that feels good is going to be our next drug of choice if we're not careful. So dopamine levels could be by your DNA low or because of life circumstances low. It could be all of that. Um, and, and we can tell that with the, with the brain maps now with the QEG, we're able to see, you know, is, is your brain low powered? Is that indicative of a, you know, low battery power, meaning low electrical functioning, but also is that indicative of low dopamine level? Um, and, and many times you see that with um, chronic uh, stress over, over the lifespan, you see low dopamine levels from using too much alcohol or drugs, um, too much porn. 
and and that just is a negative, you know, feedback loop on that. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. That, no, right? It makes total sense. And I mean, full disclosure, I'm going to have the brain mapping done in just a couple of weeks and uh, through your office there in Brentwood, Tennessee. And I, it's Brentwood, right? Is that your? Yes. Town? And yeah, we're Brentwood. so excited. We're so excited you're coming. I'm so excited about this because uh, let's talk about that. Let's talk about brain mapping just a minute. Is this a new technology? And, and it's not voodoo. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's not, not voodoo, but I did call it voodoo for a while. Cause I couldn't even believe it myself, but, um, it, what, what a brain map is in, in uh, technical terms is an EEG. So you think of an e- yeah. EKG yeah. Of, yeah. of your heart, it's an EEG of your brain. And, um, and then we put it through a database of, of tons of brains of your age and gender. So we're able from that, um, analysis with research to say, okay, this brain is depressed. This brain is anxious. This brain has had a concussion or some um, TBI, uh, traumatic Mm -hmm. brain injury, or this brain has had trauma during its formative years. There's just so many things we can tell now, which informs us of how we can either as therapists treat somebody or move them in through the neurofeedback process and and take that dysregulated, the dysregulated parts of the brain and get them to regulation, which is really cool. And I'm going to start neurofeedback. Cannot wait because I've made it clear to, I mean, people here public in Arkansas know about my uh, struggles as a young girl, and I have a high ACE score, adverse childhood experience. Yes. Um, I, you know, I married the right man, and there's some things that put me on the right track. So I avoided some of the pitfalls, many of the pitfalls that people who have a high ACE score. But after I read the book or listened to it, because I'm so ADD, but the body keeps the score. And that was yes. called the yes. Yes. fabulous, fabulous book. If you've had any trauma, if you grew up in any addiction, abuse, I mean, KK, you could probably address it much better than I could. But don't you think it's just one of the beautiful manuscripts of our time? Well, I would say that that book and Bessel van der Kolkis, who wrote that book has informed everything I've done as a therapist for the last eight years. Wow. It's, it's been life altering to me. You know, when I first read that book, well, the first, the first exposure I had to the A score, I just happened onto the only Ted talk I'd ever listened to was, was, um, a, a Ted talk about the ACE score and it, it stopped me in my tracks. I was literally mm-hmm. walking in mm-hmm. Southern California and it, and it, I, I felt like a lightning bolt from heaven said, this is validation mm-hmm. for everything you've ever, you know, wanted to justify or feel true or didn't know. And so that was, that really started, um, the, my, my journey. And, um, and then I ended up at a training in New York city. I went to see how Ryan wanted to justify the trip. So I went to a training that Dr. <laughs> Dr. Vander Kolk was, um, oh, wow. holding in New York. And, and he, you know, if, if you guys don't know who he is and literally go buy that book today, mm-hmm. if, 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 you know, within your cells, you know, if you've had trauma and don't underestimate trauma of any kind, it, he even considers bullying now to be traumatic to the brain. But anyway, Vander Kolk developed the PTSD diagnosis. He was in the VA system oh, and, wow. and, and developed it. So he is the premier, the world leader in trauma in my mind. Um, and so when he was doing that training that I was at, he kept talking about combining 
um, therapy or certain modalities of therapy with neurofeedback. And so because I'm a ready aim, ready fire aim person, I came home and bought the equipment and of course you did. Set, <laughs> started setting David up, started trying to brain map David in our living room. And I mean, that's a comedy of errors because he jumped up from the chair at one point. It was like, I'm not doing this anymore. The voice <laughs> anyway, of reason. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, so, so Vander Kolk's, um, Vander Kolk's model is that if you combine those two things, um, power therapies, which are EMDR, brain spotting, uh, they're forms of talk therapy. If you combine those with neurofeedback, he would say you can get to curative. I'm not Bessel Vander Kolk, but we have seen miraculous things happen when you do that combination of talk therapy um, and, and neurofeedback. And for those of you that have done all kinds of therapy and haven't gotten the relief, you're a great candidate for neurofeedback because what's happening is you can talk about things till the cows come home. But if you're not regulating your brain um, with some kind of you know, feedback, it's not going to change anything. So, so, so we know a, feedback is if you touch the hot stove, if you touch a stove, it's hot. Mm-hmm. The feedback is it was hot and you move your hand away. Right. So how does neurofeedback work? Like if you have a negative thought, does God come out from heaven and bump you upside <laughs> the head and go, hey, goofball, <laughs> back off? No, it's it's actually positive. So think of Pavlov, Pavlov's dog. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so it's operant conditioning, which you're right, but it's a positive um, feedback loop. So and it's all non-conscious. So you're sitting, you know, you're sitting in a chair in a room with your eyes closed. Some people do eyes open and watch a show, but but we're measuring your brain at all times and moving the brain to a regulated state. So think of think of going to the gym, you know you get, you will get a reward each time your, your brain goes the direction we want it to go. So you're going to the gym, lifting weights and over time that direction or those neural pathways get strengthened and they hold. And so, so what we're doing is when your brain is hitting the right direction, you get a feedback tone and you do that for about 30 minutes. Um, and you come in a couple of times a week, we have home units for people that aren't in this area, but, um, but what happens is your brain goes, the brain, you know, 10 years ago, we didn't think the brain changed. We, you know, it's new technology and new research. We know the brain heals itself and wants to heal itself. So you get that feedback tone. The brain says, wow, that feels good. And it keeps going that direction. So it, it, it feeds on itself. So if that makes sense. is it then replenishing your dopamine? No, but regulating. So if you have, if you've had trauma, your brain is in a, in a, um, a hypervigilant state all the time mm-hmm. at a non-conscious level. So that in and of itself drains the dopamine or drains the drains mm-hmm. you neurochemically because mm-hmm. you're requiring so much. So, so for instance, if you're ADD, you're requiring so much from your brain to stay focused and that depletes you neurochemically. And so what regulating does is it just allows you to build that back up. Does that make sense? Yes. So is neurochemical the same? Is dopamine then a neurochemical or a neurotransmitter? Or is it the same um, thing? Same thing. Okay. And if, you know, yes, a neuro, neurochemically or neuro, the, the neurochemicals allow the neuropathways to work well 
and I'm way out of my level of expertise if I say well, anything else. No, about no, that. you're good. You're good. Because then <clears throat> we go back to something you said earlier that if all health begins in the gut, including your mental health, they say that like 80% of the dopamine, so a neurochemical that you That's produce, right. is in your belly. It's a, so, as well as serotonin and, you know, all the other ones. Yes. And, 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 and that's what good food does for you. Is yeah, nourishing whole up. foods. Yes. Right. Boy, that's, that's right. really amazing how, I mean, the leg bones connected to the <laughs> neck bone, but how exactly. the brain bones connected to the gut bone. Well, and, and when I first started doing this, Lisa, we you might as well have just cut people off from the chin down because we didn't consider that. I know in graduate school, I never had a class and I don't even know if they have them now on the, you know, the benefits of nutrition for the for brain health. We didn't we didn't consider that. Well, now let, let's cover some of those. What where would you start getting the crap out, getting the sh- cutting sugar? Because you mentioned that. Yeah, sugar and remember alcohol, sugar, um, and then whole foods. The the the, you know, and Lisa, you know a lot more about this than I do. But I think if you could cut out gluten and you could cut out yeah. sugar, you'd be on your way. And don't eat things that have more than three ingredients in them. I mean, you know, yeah. graham crackers are my go-to at ten o'clock at night. That is like, I might as well just be eating poisoned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is where that um, it is the argument of is this the privilege conversation saying, well, yes, you can only eat whole foods. And we don't mean the grocery store. We mean what we mean is going to the outer rim of the grocery store and taking the potato and boiling it and putting maybe butter on it. And if you want some sour cream or whatever, you bake it or whatever you do. But whole foods are things that you prepare from it's raw state that you can get. We know that you're not picking. Obviously, you're not harvesting your own beets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's getting what you can and preparing as much as home and using, you know, getting a packaged food once in a while. And and you're right. And forgive me um, for people that are listening, because it is a privilege to be able to afford that kind of stuff. And it, it is pro- our food. Our food. You know, people getting healthy food right now is problematic. It is. But I will say that um, for years, the poor, when they would go to a food bank, and I think they still do. Now, canned foods are fine. If you have canned green beans, I mean, you're fine. But it's just the packaged foods that are often given to the poor, which can be problematic for their guts. And they have no idea, you know, unless you're educated in it. And not to say poor people aren't. I don't, we're not trying to make any type of generalization in this conversation other than um, educating yourself is just reading the back Mm -hmm. of labels. And, you know, it goes back to what you've always heard. If you can't pronounce the word, don't, don't buy it. Right. You look on the back of green beans, it should say green bean, sodium, maybe some citric acid. I don't know what they put in there, but it's just kind of educating yourself that way without, um, and just, you feel better. And it's not hard to eliminate sugar. You know, no. anybody mm-hmm. anybody can eliminate well, sugar. It's, it is emotionally, but oh, yeah. it's no, not right, hard. Right. No, that's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. I, I mean, I'm preaching to myself on that. It is very hard. It's extremely addictive. Yeah. Sugar is one of our biggest, you know, vices. But, but just eliminating that will calm things down. 
with yep. the brain. In your gut. Yeah. I've uh, now I'm on um, doing fermented vegetables, you know, getting the going to the grocery store, you can get the Bubby's brand. It's got the good sauerkraut and wow, it's good. Even giving my granddaughter, you know, probiotics and, Mm -hmm. you know, a friend of mine makes kombucha, which is a fermented product. Fermented vegetables or products are so good for your health, your gut health. Yes. 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 Very good. And, and and I think, I just think that's, um, yeah, it's important. It's much more important than we've ever known. Um, but if, if you're listening and that sounds stressful, Stay away Don't right now. <laughs> right. Don't do it. <laughs> Isn't, yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. There are relationships that if you start thinking about the person, your tummy gets tight. There's a conversation you might have to have with someone that makes your, I, that's what we call it in our family. Oh, that makes my tummy tight. And that mm-hmm. means I'm, I'm at my threshold or that's stressful to me. Mm-hmm. Some people kind of though thrive. Like my husband loves a challenge. He's kind of that warrior. He's an athlete. So hard conversations are, he loves them. He, we always say the more discomfort, the the better. Chris loves it because he likes the challenge. And then it's, he likes the resolution with it. Well, I like the avoidance of all of it. <laughs> I, yeah. And, and you, and you need to be mindful of that because, you know, with your adverse childhood experiences, that may feel very, very threatening to you. Oh, There's nothing absolutely. fun about that to you. So it's not a, it's not a, um, a weakness or a badge of honor to be able to get to the end of that conversation with him. It's one of those that you might have to say, Hey, Chris, would you be willing for us not to talk about controversial things? You know, and and there's absolutely sometimes, in fact, I just watched the Kardashian episode. I'm proud to say, and, um, but true story. This was just the other day, the sisters, two of the sisters were in a fist fight, two girls in a fist fight. Well, I remember mm. my biological mother having that same type of conflict that someone would get drunk, people would get drunk, there were drugs involved, and there would be a fist fight at the end of women. Mm-hmm. I burst into tears mm-hmm. watching that. I mean, mm. sobbed mm. watching it. And I even said out loud, I went, wow, this is crazy. I thought, but that's the first time that wound, that wound had had a bandaid mm-hmm. on it a long time, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. And I ripped, mm-hmm. it got ripped off on a... TV show everybody watches. Does it affect everybody that way when they watch that episode? Probably not. But no, it just but shows. It does. And and there's no way you could have seen that coming or even, you know, predicted it. But no. but wait but just for a exercise for people that have that happen, that trigger, you explored it, which was so smart to do to figure out why it affected you. But then what you need to do to close the loop to really heal that younger part. Um, this is kind of an internal family systems theory um, technique, but you would want to have real compassion for that little girl. So you would speak out loud almost to that little girl and say, I am really sorry that happened. And you can even visualize it in your mind's eye to say, come here and sit in my lap. You don't ever have to go back there again. It's over. KK gold. Yeah. 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 So, so what you, so what that's telling your brain is it's not first person present tense. It's now third person past tense. So when mm-hmm. you got that trigger at a non-conscious level, your brain says, uh-uh, that's still going on. And you you probably reacted just like you did as a little girl. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so you know, that, that four-year-old jumped in the driver's seat of the bus and said, we got to do something. This is big. Mm-hmm. But if you, as the grown-ass woman, I call that the grown-ass woman part, would right. say, 
come here, little girl, that's over. We don't, we're never going back to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're taking care of you now. We're in charge. We love you. Then, then the brain goes, wow, it's over. So I bet you could watch another show like that and you would not have the same physiological response that you did That's the great. first time. That's great. Mm-hmm. Do you think mm-hmm. part of those adverse childhood experiences, um, and maybe it's, I'm thinking specifically of myself, that um, we just didn't feel protected because you were just saying, telling that little girl to climb in your lap and you're going to tell her. Mm-hmm. It's okay mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. living with addiction, a physical, my mother had a lot of physical abuse, uh, biological mother, and um, just the abuse of language and men and other things mm-hmm. and the abuse of her own mm-hmm. body mm-hmm. that therefore she couldn't protect me because she could barely take care of herself. Yeah, she didn't, she, she didn't protect herself either, but yes, 100% when there's, when there's no protector and there's no compassionate witness. Then, oh, then it is then no it is traumatic. If uh, and the brain the brain doesn't have a way to process it except it's your fault or that it's always going to be like this. So it stores so, it. With, so a compassionate witness could be siblings that had witnessed this. They at least mm-hmm. had each other to lock arms. Many times, but many times in those situations, and and the advert the. A study would say this too that if you witnessed abuse, it was just as bad as it being towards you. Um, so there's a lot of times where I'll treat a sibling that that saw a sibling be abused, mm. um, and it's very traumatic. But if you have anybody, you know, a sibling, a neighbor, uh, anybody that said a teacher that says that was not your fault, I'm so sorry that happened to you. You're not crazy that person that did that is out of line when, when the brain's being formed and you get that compassionate, um, uh, input, then it doesn't hold it nearly as egregiously as when there's not one there. Well, you're really talking too about, remember the way we want to talk to people on social media is through compassion. Right. Right. You know, it's the same thing. And, and again, this is where I'm sure therapists probably spar over compassion and enabling, and there's a fine line between the two, but can you address that? Can you tell the difference between a compassionate perspective as opposed to enabling somebody? Well, enabling is, is to, is allowing somebody to continue bad behavior. Um, and, 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 and compassion is just the understanding of where that behavior comes from. So, so, I'm never going to say to somebody that's going and having, you know, illicit sex with a prostitute. um, I'm never going to say that's great behavior. I'm going to say that's very destructive behavior and it's actually re-traumatizing your brain. And then you go back to where that behavior started, which is usually early adolescence. And you say, I'm so sorry that abuse happened to you. Here's it, it wasn't that was not your fault. So kind of the line on that is we have responsibility to heal. We don't have responsibility. We, you know, it, we're not responsible for the trauma that happened to us in those formative years, but we are 100% responsible to heal from that. Does that make sense? No, it totally does. I, I think that's a real good way to put it. KK, I hope you get paid for what you do. Cause you just gave us about almost an hour here, free therapy. 
<laughs> uh, Lisa, I cannot tell you how excited I am for this podcast and honored I am. Thank you. Thank you. This, well, I could I could literally do this with you every day of the week. Um, I know. Well, you were saying earlier of what brings us or joy or thrill or I mm-hmm. want another hit. Mm-hmm. I was thinking just talking to you on a, this. I'm producing dopamine as we speak. Exactly. And it, it's, it's my honor. And, um, you know, shout out to all my, my Arkansas. I, I grew up in Little Rock, went to the university of Arkansas and, and love your, our home state. And, um, and I'm just thrilled and hope this goes to the edges of the world with the information you have to deliver. Well, we'll definitely start with this. We have show notes. We'll have all the information that KK talked about, including where her practice is. And then maybe in a month or so, we'll update what the brain scan did for me. And uh, I I want to start the neurofeedback. I'm super excited. Yeah. Yeah. We are thrilled about that. Okay, Lisa, thank you so much. Thanks, hon. Shortly after I recorded this interview with KK Ray, A video of me was posted for social media sites about my support of the Gaines House. TheGainesHouse.org is the website, and that's where you can find out more about a home in Little Rock, Arkansas that provides transitional housing for women who are suffering from mental illness, addiction, maybe domestic violence, and other issues. My story tells about growing up with the ravages of both mental illness and addiction and losing my mother at a young age. I'd love for you to see it and I'd love for you to get acquainted with the Gaines House. You can find the video on my website, lisafishersaid.com. Go to the drop down for videos and you'll find it. And then hop on over to the Gaines House to see what they do and donate there. Thegaineshouse.org. Thanks for spending this time with me. If you would subscribe to the Lisa Fisher Said podcast, tell a friend. And for show notes and more information, go to lisafishersaid.com. Mm-hmm.